So, uh, I'm going to kick us off with a little bit of a story here. Yes, John, please share this delightful story. <laughs> so, so um, due to due to my schedule this week, uh, we had to push recording from our normal Wednesday night to Thursday night. Um, Thursday night is normally date night uh, for my wife and I. And um, we're normally pretty good. You know, sometimes we, we move it around during the week. Sometimes we're just, hey, you know, we live together. We can afford to take this week off. Um, just as an aside, spouses, uh, don't stop dating your spouses. It's a, it's a good way to live, in my personal opinion. Yes, very true. Um, so anyway, we go to one of our normal Thursday night places. Uh, we go to this place that has, uh, let's, call it, let's call it Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm perfectly fine to name drop uh, on the show. And... On Thursday nights, they do buy one, get one boneless wings. It's a great deal. You know, we go, we get just way, way more food than we need um, because boneless wings reheat well. And um, so so I go to pull in to Buffalo Wild Wings tonight, and I have a terrible, horrible realization, Jay. The NFL draft is tonight. Oh, that's right. Oh, no. <laughs> so they are packed. So, so they are packed out the wazoo i wanted to say a different word and i didn't and i'm proud of myself good man um (laughs) i had to do i was running laps around the parking lot trying to find parking that wasn't in the next county and i am just like what this is this was a mistake but like meg is a trooper and she was like she got there before me somehow and found parking because she's a freaking wizard or something i don't know and we just you know we powered through it we had a, a very good uh, server. She was she was excellent. It was crazy. Um, and then I got out of there. Yeah, you booked it. <laughs> that place was nuts. Yeah, I can imagine. So I wanted to regale you with the story of me making a mistake. Yeah, because because the thing about the the special that you were talking about is like it's already going to make the the restaurant very crowded anyway. And so then oh, to add on top of that, it's the NFL draft. It's going to get one of one of the busy. iconic watch at a bar sporting events of the year. Yes. Yes. For those who might be listening to us from out of the U.S., um, American football is what we're referring to, the National Football League. And uh, they are, I mean, they say that baseball is the American pastime. I don't think that would be true today. I think I think watching sports in a bar is the American pastime. I can yes, I can agree with that. I think it's let, let's take what sport it is off the table. Yeah, any sport. I think that's at yeah. a sports bar. Yep. Yeah, that I is. I agree. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was dominantly fans of the local team, um, which is kind of to be expected. But there was a, a good smattering of of other team fans in there. I was kind of impressed. Well, maybe you haven't noticed, but Tennessee, uh, specifically the Nashville area, has become a very large hotspot for transplants. Yes. Um, in fact, the men's group that I'm a part of on Fridays that I'll actually uh, will be going to tomorrow. There are on a good day. There's probably close to 25 men that will show up to this men's group. And I would say probably 70% are not originally from Tennessee and are actually from California, Illinois, um, a few from like Washington state, Oregon, stuff like that. So (laughs) it's pretty wild. It's like a cover of that Johnny Cash song is there from everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but well, that is good. I'm glad what, uh, what, so what wing sauce do you typically go to? Oh, honey barbecue. hundred percent. Okay. Meg, Meg as well. Actually, she's normally the, the variety is the spice of life, both literally and metaphorically one of the two of us, but Buffalo Wild Wings, honey barbecue sauce is excellent. It's the best. Okay. It is. I haven't been to a Buffalo Wild Wings in probably six years. It's been a very long time. It was before I was married. I can almost guarantee it has not changed. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> they I know their brand and they totally, are sticking to it yes. aggressively. Yes. Which I love them for it. So yeah. Yeah. It's one of those places that uh feel good place. Like I would agree with that. You yeah. go there and you're like, yeah, I can just be myself here. Like nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. Bond. James Bond. And here we go. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, I am Jay, 
And of course, with me is John, and this is They Didn't Ask Us. So glad to have you for another episode. Uh, we are reviewing Dungeons and Dragons, the newer installment, not the old one. Um, from gosh, what year was that? Uh, so I think there's a I think there's a total of three. Really? Um, so I when I was that. searching. When I was searching to get the Wikipedia plot summary to see if it was viable to read later, uh, there was one just called Dungeons and Dragons in 2000. Oh, okay. And then there was one, it was like In the Name of the King, was like vaguely when we were in college. That was the one with uh, Jason Statham. I never saw that one. Never no, even heard of it. I actively one. avoided it. It was one of those like Jason Statham had bills to pay type of movies and you could just tell going <laughs> right. in. I need a job. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the newest Dungeons and Dragons with Chris Pine and several other various famous people. Uh, the the guy from Jurassic Park. No, Jurassic World. Uh, what's his name? The skinny kid. Oh, I even have this open and I'm not paying attention. Uh, Justice Smith. Justice Smith. Yes. He's in it too. Um, but we will get to that review here in... A little bit. Uh, along with this episode, we're also going to be reviewing the season three of The Mandalorian in its entirety. So uh, that will be uh, entertaining as well. So that'll be coming up a little bit later. But of course, first we have the news. Um, the news. So first off, pretty big announcement, uh, which we kind of knew was coming. Um, but Galactus, Fantastic Four. Uh, Galactus has been confirmed as the villain for the movie. So that for sure is happening, and they are in the process of finding an actor to fill Shaquille O'Neal. No green screen. <laughs> it's just Shaq. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Send me money, Disney. This is the best idea. The thing is, as dumb of an idea as that is, it is still like infinity percent better than how Galactus was in uh, Silver Surfer. Oh, absolutely. So it's a low bar to cross, but I did it. <laughs> the less of that movie that we talk about, the better. I mean, there are some good things about that movie, like Lawrence Fishburne being a superhero movie voice. Big fan. But eh. I, by and large, I do agree with that. Uh, the next little bit of news for the Fantastic Four, it's not confirmed. Uh, nothing has been settled yet. But Adam Driver is being looked at to play Mr. Fantastic. Um, John has a disappointed look on his face. Dude. Because... Part of it is because we were finally given, like, over after over a decade of fans clamoring for it, we finally got John Krasinski as Reed Richards, right. and it was great. It was, like, probably the, like, the Illuminati sequence was probably the single greatest thing about Multiverse of Madness, and not going forward with that is very upsetting, because yeah, if you get... If you get John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic, I feel like it's a very easy jump to get his actual real-life wife, Emily Blunt, as Sue. And then, I mean, from that point, that's the foundation of your movie, and you don't really need anything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm disappointed from that perspective. I'm also a little bit disappointed because I really like Adam Driver, and I think he's incredibly talented. But based on the roles that I associate with him, I cannot see him as this incredibly cerebral, not physically imposing Reed Richards. Yeah. So it's a, it's a twofold disappointment for me. Um, I do want to see him in the MCU at some point, just because the way Kylo Ren's story ended was so incredibly disappointing. Um, he was the best character in the sequel trilogy, and I will... You cannot fight me on that. It's 100% true. And he just didn't, he should have lived and it would have been great. Um, so yeah, what is, uh, what is your take on the potential of Adam Driver as Mr. Fantastic? Kind of along the same lines that you've said, uh, I, I can't really imagine him in that role. Um, it's hard for me to picture, you know, you, what you mentioned earlier with, uh, John Krasinski playing Mr. Fantastic and that whole 10 minute segment of multiverse of madness was the definition of fan service. I mean that they, they yeah. did it for the fans. They did it just to make us happy. And then it was almost like they were like, okay, now shut up. Like, and then they massacred all of them here, aggressively. Here's, here's what you wanted. Now take it and go away. And we're going to do our thing now. And, yeah. um, and you know, so I think he, I mean, his acting ability from what I've seen from everything I've ever seen him in, he, he has fantastic acting ability. I, I know he could do it. It's just, yeah. it's going to look weird to me. I don't know. It depends on how they, I guess, his, how he, how they make him look. Um, 
you know, is this going to be an origin story? Is this going to be, uh, you know, they've already existed. They've been here for a while. Like there's, there's a lot of questions there as yeah. far as all of that goes. I would, I would almost want to see them either do what they did with Spider-Man where it's one of those, this origin story is so well known. We don't really have to tell it. We can just kind of allude to it. Right. Um, or it's kind of like backdoored in with something else. Sure. That's that's a tricky one to do, though, because I feel like you would have to backdoor it into a TV show. Probably. And then it completely invalidates everything else about the TV show because it becomes all about the origin of the Fantastic Four. And that's not really fair to whatever show that would be taking away from. Right. Yeah, because then that would be the f- that would be the talk about of that show and not the actual show itself. Yeah, right. I see what you're saying. Like when, like when Daredevil was in She-Hulk. Right. We were like, oh, man, Daredevil's back. I mean, yeah, he's in She-Hulk, but Daredevil's back. Oh, look, Daredevil, why is She-Hulk here? Oh, wait, <laughs> right? that's right, this is her show. Yeah, I think I think that's what would happen, so. Yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say? Um, Andy Serkis has confirmed that his character from Andor is still alive, um, which makes sense, considering that he died off-screen. You know, we see him fall off the balcony and into the water. He's like, I can't swim! And then he gets pushed off. Uh, but Oops. we don't see him land in the water we don't see him actually drown so it makes sense that he would still potentially be alive yeah i feel like at this point that's become one of my rules of movie watching is if you don't see a body you don't know they're dead yeah that's fair um so the witcher season three trailer was released i know john uh specifically was saddened by i was a little bit upset man by this trailer uh, not so much because the trailer came out, but because of the news that we know about Henry Cavill, not this being his last season, potentially. And Netflix has already announced uh, in this trailer that they're doing their classic, we're going to break this up into two to make you come back to our platform on two different days and watch all of this. Yeah, it did. It must have done so well for um, Stranger, Stranger Things. Things that they're they're doing it again. Yeah. Curses. Which, I mean, it's going to work because I'm going to watch it. This The trailer makes it seem like with the wild hunt being a much bigger part of the story of the season, it's going to be that much more action packed. And I, I do kind of almost want this to feel like a, like a finale season because when Cavill leaves, it's going to radically change the tone and the vibe. It just will. Like I was talking to somebody about this, um, this, it was earlier this week and just talking about like how much he loves the IP that is the Witcher. Like every adaptation needs a person on um on set who's like no 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 that's not how they did it in the book or how they did it in the movie or the game or whatever's being adapted into something else and my understanding is for this show henry cavill is that guy yeah he's the one who's like no 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 this can't work and here's why we need to do it this way so not only are you losing the star you're losing the person who potentially cares the most about this being done right yeah he's holding everybody else accountable yeah so yeah. that's a bummer to me personally. It is a bummer. Um, I really enjoyed last season, season two. It was very I'm, good. I'm going to have to rewatch it. I don't think I watched it since release. Yeah, I haven't either. And that was what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. It's wow. still upsetting to me that the best fight scene in the show so far is at the end of the first episode of the first season. <laughs> yes. Where he's just walking I through the streets that. of Blaviken annihilating everybody. Yes. I do love that scene. There's a video I saw on Twitter a couple of months ago where it was, I'm trying to remember what song they said it to, but they took the visual from that scene. And I want to say they said it to like Toxic by Britney Spears. Oh dear. Or like some, some song like that where it shouldn't work, but the pacing of the song fit the pacing of the action almost perfectly. Oh wow. Somebody I don't think it was too that. much time on their hands and has watched that fa- scene way too many times. Are you familiar with the internet, Jay? I know. That's I all know the internet is, is people with too much time on their hands. Like, go get a job. <laughs> what if their job is the internet? Like, if they're a social media manager? I, I'm sure there's, yeah, there's plenty of people out there that that is their job. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we got a new Flash trailer, and I'm upset because it debunked my theory that would have been awesome. Yes. Yes, it did. Um, that was a great theory that you had. Uh, you should reshare it for those who maybe didn't listen to that episode. So inside of um, the Flashpoint comics, um, Barry time travels to go back in time and save his mom, who was killed when he was a child. But in doing that, he it was kind of a, a butterfly effect of all of these other effects have changed over time. And one of those things that changed is when Bruce Wayne and his parents went to the movies or the play or the theater, wherever they went in this in this universe... Instead of um, Joe Chill killing his parents, he killed Bruce. So in this universe, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman, and he does not have uh, Bruce's no-killing rule. Uh, I think is a safe way to say that. 
he's very aggressive, very um, violent, and he, he there's not really a, a path he's not willing to go down. And my hope was with um, Michael Keaton being confirmed to be Batman in this movie that he would not really be a readaptation or a, a he would not be the same character that he was in Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. But I feel like he is. Yeah. Or like he, he honestly seems like way more lighthearted even. A little bit. Um, and like then, of course, you know, I, I due to advances in movie technology, his uh, Batman technology is much better. Yes. He almost This trailer almost makes him seem like comic relief in some scenes. Maybe. Which is like weird it. considering that it's... A Michael Flash Keaton? movie, so the Flash should be the comic relief. Oh, absolutely. The Flash is, like, Barry Allen is an inherently comedic character. Yeah. It's one of the things I love about his relationship with Hal Jordan in, I don't know that it's so much in animation as much as it is in a lot, like, long threads of comic books, is they just, like, jab each other all the time, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I actually, so I've I've gone on record to say that I, I, I don't want to see this movie in theaters, um, but... So what I did was, is somebody released, like, the entire plot, and I went ahead and read the plot um, just to see what happened. And I won't say anything, uh, but the one thing that they left out in the, even for early viewers, is the after credit scene where you see who the new Batman is, or who the Batman is in the universe when the Flash gets back. That's amazing. Like, they didn't even show it in the early viewing. They just said that's what it is. All you see is their feet, and that's it. Oh my gosh. So it could be anybody. What if they legitimately never announce it? I could potentially see that. The bravery that would take from the studio of just, we're going to make this movie. We're going to completely start to finish produce this. And we're never going to say who it was. Like, uh, do you you remember that Crusades movie, Kingdom of Heaven? Yeah. Uh, Edward Norton plays the king who's in the mask the whole time. And he's completely uncredited because he's under the mask the whole time. Like there's... There's a, a series of, of movies. I read an article about it recently, probably on BuzzFeed because I'm a degenerate. And it was about like the most famous uncredited acting roles that were more than cameos that were actually like impactful to the plot of the movie. And it was very, very interesting. And I, I don't know that you can do that with Batman, but I want them to try. And then the other thing, too, is that like even those that reviewed it early, they said that the movie ends and you still don't really know, is this going to be the Flash of the new DCU or is this Flash going to remain in its own timeline and is never going to show back up again? They said yeah. that it's really unclear. Like there really wasn't any sort of definitive like answer to that. So. I don't know. Person, I'm fine with that. Personally, leave it. Vague. I'm fine with that too. Let's let's see how the reaction to the movie is, and then we can decide. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. Such, that's such yeah. a lazy decision. I love it. Yeah, I'm okay with. Oh that. Oh my gosh, uh, Craven the Hunter, uh, which was something I completely forgot about. Uh, Absolutely spaced on it. Movie that Sony is making, uh, still going to be released. I thought for sure it had been canceled, uh, but it is being released and is going to be R-rated. Exceptionally R-rated, from what I was reading. That's what I saw, like, yeah. Even the, I don't think they're at a full, like, a trailer spot yet, but they had some footage that they played, I think, at, like, CinemaCon or something. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you cannot do that in a PG-13 movie. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I'm I'm curious, to say the least. Um, something not so R-rated. Uh, Lilo, can, can you imagine? <laughs> Lilo and Stitch <laughs> and Moana are getting a live-action adaptation. Um, um, Lilo and Stitch why? is actually going to be coming out relatively soon. And then Moana, which at this point is not even 10 years old, is getting a live action adaptation that is starting production this fall. Why? That is an excellent question because it's Disney and they like, know when was, that people are going to pay for it. W- fair. When was the last live action adaptation that actually, one, that you actually saw and two, that you actually enjoyed? Okay, I can actually name this Beauty and the Beast. But have you seen it recently? No, I haven't seen it since it came out. Yeah, that's what I mean. And that was probably like eight years ago. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a there's a live action Peter Pan and Wendy coming out in like two weeks. Yeah. And I just could not care less. Yeah. No. Like I, there was a live I'm action right Pinocchio that came and went. Uh, the Little Mermaid is coming out, and I mean we might. I don't. I don't know. Little Mermaid was not one of those movies for me as a kid. I'll tell. That's a you know shocker right there. What? I know. Um, but like, I just don't care. 
Yeah, had, have you seen the character posters for Flounder and Sebastian? I so I saw something about it on social media, but because I've already like decided I don't care about the movie, I did not even read it. Okay, so they released the character posters, and the best reaction I saw to it was somebody said it just it looks like it's AI generated, and I was like, yes, it does. It it does. It doesn't look like because it's just a fish and a crab. I mean, yeah. it's it's to the same effect, like, um, which actually we'll talk about this next. But um, with the live action Lion King, one thing that I didn't so, oh man, I could go on a rant like on this forever. <laughs> but mainly because I, the Lion King growing up was my favorite Disney. Like it was my favorite movie. Period. For years, I loved Big, uh, the Lion King. Big Hamlet fan, Jay. <laughs> yes. And, um, and Wait, so it's Hamlet, not Othello, right? It's Hamlet. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it's one of them, when they made the Lion King, you know, part of what made it so fun was the, you know, with, with cartoon animals, they can actually show facial expression with real animals. They can't. And so through the entire Lion King movie, that was my biggest complaint was the animals mm-hmm. had no facial expressions. And it was like, well, yeah, because yeah. they were animals. So now they've done the same thing with Flounder and Sebastian, and then even the seagull, whatever his name is. Um, they're all just they they look like the real animals. So it's like that's not going to be as fun. Yeah, they're not going to be cartoony. They're not going to show facial expression. They're not going to be able to react to anything. They're not going to have personality. No, that's what yeah. gives personality is your is your your acting ability. They're not going to be acting. They're going to be animals. <laughs> well, yeah, they're fish. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Lion King, uh, Mufasa, gosh, this pains me to say this. Like, I didn't hear about this until I was reading our breakdown, and this is one of the dumbest things I've heard in a long time. So, Mufasa, a live-action prequel to The Lion King, in the works, exploring the relationship between Mufasa and Scar, showing that Scar may not be as bad as we originally thought. Yeah, I... He killed people. I mean, yeah, you're you're not gonna convince me. There's a there's a scar redemption arc. You're just not going to. It's kind of like when they did uh, Maleficent, right? Like they did Maleficent, and they really they tried really hard to show like Maleficent. Maybe she was actually misunderstood, good, but she was misunderstood, and it was like, no, she's evil. Like she is. I mean, so so I saw the first one. They made a second Maleficent movie, right? That's a thing that happened. Yeah, they made it. I didn't watch it, but they yeah, made it. same. But I remember watching the first one, and if we're being honest like as far as disney villains i feel like she is actually aggrieved like it's not just being evil for evil's sake like aurora's parents started it yeah they started the beef so i kind of understand where like she might not have had evil or or bad intentions and she was just like oh well you're gonna mess around you're gonna find out like (laughs) that could just be her entire character scar i don't think you can you can go back and do that no, especially like, he, like he watching took out, he took out his brother and took out his son or his uncle. No, his nephew, nephew. excuse me, yeah. his his brother and his nephew, just because maybe his brother was mean to him when he was younger. Right. Like, is that really grounds to kill your brother? <laughs> no, it's like, are they going to just retcon um, Scar killing Mufasa? Like at the end of this movie, it fades to the end of the actual Lion King and they're just one big happy family because that's malarkey and you, I will not shut up about it if that's what actually happens. That would invalidate one of the best Disney movies of all time. I'm not going to watch it, most no. likely, but if I do start to watch it just because like my boys are like, oh, I want to watch it and we start watching it, if Timon and Pumbaa make an appearance... <laughs> I'm done. I'm just going to walk out. I'm just going to be like, nope, I'm not. I, I can't. Nope. So if it's like when Scar and Mufasa were kids, first of all, his name was not always Scar, right? Like he acquired that during his life. That we assume. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there going to be young Rafiki? I hope so. Young Rafiki, I feel like, is like strong Shaggy from Scooby-Doo vibes where he's just like acting high the whole time. Yeah. That's all it is. It's great. Yeah, and what was Scar's name before he got the scar? Was it? I think Terrence? that's actually like canonized. Like he has a, he has a name, but everyone just called him Scar. I think that's an actual thing. Oh, really? I have no idea what it is. Someone who actually cares can look that up and tell us. Benjamin, I don't know. <laughs> Stephen. It's the. Have you seen that that old picture where it's like, um, someone went to Starbucks and they said it. Their name is Stephen with a P H, 
and because it's Starbucks, they put the PH at the beginning instead of the S, and they said it was Stephen. What if that was Scar's <laughs> name? And that's why all of the, the animals on the savannah bullied him. Like, yeah, his name was Stephen. Yeah, that's why he was so mean. Okay, yeah, that's justified. You can kill your brother or that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. So, moving from something we are not planning to watch to something we very much did plan to watch. Yes, and um, did in its entirety. Yes. The Mandalorian Season 3 has now concluded. Um... I, I am going to be honest with you, zero part of me wants to go in and read a plot summary for every single episode, uh, and I'm not going to do it, because yep. I made that decision. Uh, I'm going to see, actually, if there's a vague By summary of the By the way, FYI, if you season. are just joining us for the first time, we are spoiler heavy. We do our reviews of things on the assumption that you have already watched it, um, so that is your warning, and here we go. So, uh, Mando takes a bath is Mm -hmm. probably the first that could summarize the first three episodes. Mando takes a bath and then, um, Bo and Mando go to a party with Lizzo and Jack Black and Christopher Lloyd. It was such a weird, it was a great episode. If they weren't like, if that was cast differently, it would have been a great episode. Yeah. It definitely had like a CSI vibe to it. And I very much appreciated it. I liked that it was, um, uh, droids, you know, a whole bunch of droids. And I Mm -hmm. stand by what I have said that I would see a star Wars movie that the entire cast was droids. I would go see that movie. Are they not doing that? I don't think so. Or like a like a droids show? They were going to. They haven't. They, used to I, be. they haven't said anything about that since. So I don't think it's happening. Dang. Because you I, have, would, I know we we talk, I know we talked a little bit about the uh, live action animals for Disney not having personality. Somehow droids can have like no face. So obviously no facial expressions, but they can have so much personality. Yeah. It's it's a weird dichotomy. It is. And then, except for um, Chopper, we hate. Cho- I hate Chopper so much. Yeah, Chopper can maybe like, in the first I'm, episode, like he loses he the it. top part of his body, and then yeah, that's if, it. If he Chopper. if he passes away in the first episode of Ahsoka, I will actively celebrate. Him and Jar Jar Binks both just fall into a big pit. Real talk, I would rather have Jar Jar alive than Chopper. Yeah, which that is how speaking much I of Jar Jar, the actor uh, Ahmed Best does uh, have a. I would call I would consider that a cameo appearance in this season. I would season. say yeah, pretty major cameo appearance. Um he is I have already did I scroll past this? Did I miss it? Um he is a uh, Kellerin Beck, the yes. Jedi master who saves Grogu from the fall of the Jedi Temple. So that was one mystery looming over the series from the beginning that has now been solved. Yes. Honestly, um, completely fine with it. He, yeah, he deserved no, it fan fun. redemption, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and, and I think most of us would agree, most Star Wars fans would agree, that it's not him that we dislike, it's the character. <laughs> I think that's fair. You know? It, yeah, it's just a lot just of people don't know. A lot of people, and I feel like Star Wars fans have a bad rep for this. They don't know where that line is. So when it's like when they dislike something, they attribute it to the actor who plays the character. Yeah. And I mean, that's not but by and large, there's some very bad acting in Star Wars. And I'm not going to try to defend every actor who's ever been in Star Wars. Sure. But I will go ahead and say, like, a lot of the hate that actors get should be redirected to the people who wrote those characters. Yeah. We hate the sin, not the sinner. I think that's fair. <laughs> that's a, it's a troublesome phrase, but I don't disagree with it in this context. Yes. But, uh, so, and then, um, the end of the season, the last, I would say probably four episodes, definitely the best part of the series. Um, series, I don't know. That might be strong. The season anyway. Uh, it's the best part of the series in the British application of the phrase. Yes. Which just means season for, for us. (laughs) Yes. So the, the, the season ends on a very high note, uh, and the last four episodes are great, uh, very exciting, and we basically, we the end, we see the rise of Mandalore. Mandalore is mm-hmm. back, the Mandalorian are back, Mandalorians, uh, and uh, uh, Mando and Grogu are, they get their own little hut uh, off in the countryside, and Din, Din did not take off his helmet. 
I so I don't know if you felt the same way about this. Um, the ending that Din Djarin and Grogu get at the end of season three feels it has a sense of finality to it. Thank you. I said the exact same thing. Uh, my whole family was watching it and it ended and I said, that felt like the end of their story. Like they could be done. And in the in the wake of talking about um, Dave Filoni's upcoming Star Wars movie, which is going to to tie all of the kind of the loose threads of the the Disney Plus shows from this era, which would be like Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, Ahsoka. It's going to kind of weave them all back together. Um, I'm a little bit worried because they have that ending. Yeah. Like, are they, is, is Ahsoka going to recruit Din to come help save Ezra at some point? I think so. I mean, I'd be okay with it because I, yeah, I'd be I okay think, with it. I wouldn't like I really it, think but I'd be what, okay with it. I think what we're going to get from here on out is, I, I, I think... I think the Mandalorian might be done, truthfully. Um, I think yeah. they will bring back another season if along the way in their storytelling they decide, oh, hey, we need we need Mando to do some things to move the bigger plot along. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, let's go ahead and do another season of The Mandalorian. Because yeah. now looking at it, you know, looking at the Book of Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, and then even the upcoming Ahsoka show, and like you said, looking at Dave Filoni making the movies, or movie, anyway, that he's going to be making, that involves the New Republic era. Obviously, all of these stories are interconnected. All of these stories really, in some in some ways, they it almost... To me, I don't know, John, you you chime in and, and let me know what you think, but it, it almost feels like maybe they should have all been the same show. Like, not even have the Book of Boba Fett and just have... Because this is something else that happens uh, in this season, and, and it's something that I kind of was a little upset about, is in this season, so the main character for the past two seasons has been uh, Din Djarin, uh, or Jaren, am I saying that wrong? I mean, it's, it's Star Wars. I feel like at some point it's potato, potato. Okay. Um, like Han and Han. Yes. Uh, so the, he has always been the main character. And then this season, there's this huge shift where he really is not the central character anymore. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, Bo-Katan becomes the main character. And then in an interview, somebody, I think it was Favreau, said that the title of the Mandalorian doesn't necessarily mean Din Djarin, but could just mean anymore any Mandalorian. Yeah, because initially so, in season one, it was Din Djarin because he when was he, the... when he yeah, because he had that anonymity in the Bounty Hunters Guild, and he had that reputation. That's what he was known as. Yeah, and even, then there was they the... even called him Mando. Yeah, that's really interesting that the the title would change. So, I... in saying that, though, it almost makes it feel like, well, then they probably shouldn't have done a book of Boba Fett and just had him in The Mandalorian because... That was the title of the show, apparently, was The Mandalorian. It was the whole race, not a single person. Yeah, but at the same level, I mean, Boba Fett isn't a Mandalorian. That's true. Jango wasn't a Mandalorian. He just had right. the armor. He just had the armor. That's true. Um, I. But then they messed up his show. <laughs> somewhat aggressively, yeah. Um, I think it would be really interesting if they had gone into it with, you know, we're going to develop all of these separate plot lines and tie them together and weave them at, at various points. Um, for, for Pedro Pascal's comparison, uh, the show that uh, that has that ambition and did it well is a show like Game of Thrones. But they didn't start Game of Thrones and say, let's only talk about Winterfell for two seasons and then let's bring in King's Landing later on. You start that at the beginning and you say, we have to tell all of these stories at the same time. Right. And I think the way that they did, they staggered all of these releases is they, they started with The Mandalorian and they said, let's see if we can do this. And then it worked and they said, all right. Well, let's see if we can do that. Yeah. And because they didn't start from the beginning with the goal of tying them all together, as much as, like you were saying, I think it would have been better. I don't think you can go back and do that. No. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was, um, I still say that the the second season for me is the best season of The Mandalorian um, from what we've had so far in the first three seasons. Uh, My ranking, I know we've already skipped to the ranking, not necessarily that this is where we're going to stop, but my ranking would be two, one, three. I honestly don't know what mine would be. 
So I agree with you. I think season two is clearly superior in terms of seasons of The Mandalorian. But one and three are really close to me because even so, I guess starting in Clone Wars and then a little bit more into Rebels, um, the way that they dive in and explore and flesh out Mandalorian culture is so interesting to me. There's so much depth to it and being able like season three essentially being all about the culture of Mandalore like that almost I think that bumps it up equal to season one, but I can't really make it better than season one because season one is what set the tone for everything. Yeah. And I'll tell you my other complaint too about this season. And, and I actually, I started complaining about it very early on. So I've got uh, two really good friends and we have a group text going that we just were always talking about different shows that we're watching and we were all watching it at the same time. And I made the point that I don't like how they, they weakened they, I don't know if they weakened exactly, but they just made Mando's, they made the character soft. And one of them said, well, he's a dad now. So he's, he is a little softer. And I said, but at the same time, like you would think that he would still have that same, like shoot now, ask questions later type of mentality, because you even see like in the second season, like I love, well, I love the first episode of the first season where he literally cuts the one guy in half with a door with a door. And then the second season where he captures the guy, hangs him upside down and interrogates him to get, to get answers. Grogu's right there with him the whole time. Yeah. And and he takes everybody out in the in the fighting club but then he 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 interrogates the guy and then before he walks away he shoots out the light so that the creatures that don't like the light will come and get him and i'm like i want that mando again yeah. i liked i liked that mando and so for this season he's just not like that at all and oh no not at all i didn't i, I didn't appreciate that <laughs> I don't know. So it's it's definitely a recognizable change, but I don't think it's so much he's like getting soft or he's like, oh, it's because he's a dad. It's because he's not the only character anymore. Yeah. He doesn't have that lone gunman vibe because he has all of these interpersonal relationships that they do still have to bring up every like two or three episodes. He has to like bring back up. Oh, I, you know, because of my friendship with this person or because of I saved this person's life, they owe me this like you don't really see a whole lot of just Mando off doing Mando things in in season three. So I think it's it's as the plot fleshes out as a whole, as it involves more moving pieces, you don't really need to flesh out that aspect of his character as much anymore because it's already known. Yeah. So yeah, I um I guess that was my my complaints about the season is uh you know the the first two seasons felt very much like a western uh, mm-hmm. and this one just didn't it just feels I sci-fi missed, I, yeah i missed that tone because it was it was fun i really enjoyed it yeah another thing that that changes the tone of a show uh season three changed composers I didn't even notice that. So so the main theme is obviously going to stay the same. That's going to be, you know, like attached to the show until it is over and even then long after. But uh, composer Joseph Shirley replaced uh, Ludwig Göransson, yeah. uh, who, who composed the score for the previous seasons. So I didn't know that until then. But like you were saying, the tone of the show is so much different. That's got to be a part of it. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. And I don't know um, if this is ever something that you've really thought about, um, Jay, but one of the most underrated things about season three that was that I personally enjoyed very, very much um, was my I think this genuinely is my personal favorite starship in all of Star Wars is the, the Mandalorian Gauntlet Starfighter. Yeah, I agree. So getting to see it in action as much as we did in this season, I like I nerded out a couple of times. It's so cool. Like it looks cool. The wings all tilt up when they land. And there like, were several of them. Yes. <laughs> a whole fleet. Yeah. There I I had a I had a good time uh with with those uh, those uh scenes. Yes. We also finally had and we so we talked about with Celebration, the casting of Thrawn is confirmed. We knew he was going to be the villain, the big bad for Ahsoka. We finally had our first reference to him um, yes. in a meeting of Imperial Remnant leaders in this season. Yes. It was so validating because even like they said, I think, was it, was it in the, it was in Celebration. It wasn't in the show where they genuinely allude to him as heir to the Empire, mm-hmm. which was the whole, like the whole thing in Legends where he became 
where he existed, where he became Thrawn. And I just, I don't know. I'm so excited for Ahsoka, yeah, man. Me too. Like, Mandalor- like season three of Mandalorian, it's a solid like seven and a half for me. Um, but gosh, the, it just builds for Ahsoka. And, you know, combining the Bad Batch season two just ended. May the 4th coming up, we have Visions Season 2. Like, there's just so much to be excited about right now as a Star Wars fan. So, uh, big question. Is Moff Gideon actually dead? Well, I said earlier, I've adapted the rule of if I don't see a body, I don't think they're dead. Right. Um, You don't actually see Moff Gideon's body. uh, But there's just something about Giancarlo Esposito and dying in explosions. So... Um, so the, the, the climactic battle of the season is Bo-Katan is fighting Moff Gideon while Din Djarin is going to save Grogu and then Din and Grogu win their fight and they go to help Bo. Din, um, Moff Gideon's a little cheater. Uh, I don't know if anyone's had that, uh, hot take on the socials, but in his armor suit, it augments his strength. Yeah. Which was awesome. You know, it was really cool, but it's such a cheap trick. Yeah. Because he caught the Darksaber in Bo-Katan's hand, like he caught her hand holding the saber, and he crushed her hand and the sword, and he shattered the handle of the coolest lightsaber in the galaxy, and I'm upset about it. The Darksaber, was the, it was the coolest lightsaber that has ever existed, and I, I'm just, I'm miffed, man. Yeah. That, they're making a Mandalorian season four, and that has to be at least a plot point to it. It's like, well, now no one can have a Darksaber, so how do we know who's the leader? Like... Is the armor going to fix it? Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I don't think he's dead. In fact, I think that that may have been one of his clones. Oh, so because, he did have one. Yeah, so we, we see in this episode, like, uh, in, and they had kind of alluded to it the past few seasons, that they're trying to make clones. And specifically, they're trying to make clones to have to be Force-sensitive. And so he had several clones, a whole room full. Um, I, didn't, I didn't like that at all. Yeah, it was <laughs> It was weird. And, it was weird, uh, man. And they all had the force, and uh, Din, of course, destroys them all uh, with the press of a button, because apparently that's something you put on your thing. I'm going to destroy all of these with this button. But they'll probably make a movie about it later and explore that plot hole. Yeah, well, that was that was one of the side plots to this movie, was on Coruscant, one of the other scientists who was like trying to help with the cloning process and with Grogu in Season 1. They brought him back. And he was like betrayed by a mole, but then it was a like she was playing both sides and it's that's such a loose thread to the entire season three. It's kind of upsetting. Yeah, it's it's annoying. It's just and, like knowing um, that's still out there is gross. But he destroys all the clones and then we see Moff Gideon in a suit and he's like, you destroyed my clones. And they had the one thing that was lacking to my perfection, which was the force or whatever. And um, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And, uh, but I think that that may, that may have possibly been one of his clones that was actually doing that. And, uh, so it was his clone, maybe an earlier model or something. Yeah. It wasn't force sensitive. And but it was uh, just very strong. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the suit didn't even augment his strength. It may not have been. It may have just been the, the clone was strong. Yeah. But anyway. I yeah. No, I, I don't think he's dead. I didn't see a body. No, no. Okay. Uh, I guess you gave yours a number rating. You said a 7.5. Yeah, it's it's watchable. It's worth a watch. It's not yeah. reinventing the wheel. I give it a 7. I'd yeah. say a 7 is probably good. I think, th- I think that's fair. Okay, so, check it out. Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I would like to point out, I went into this movie after seeing other people talk about how good it was. People whose opinions that I typically agree with and I have grown to trust over the years. Um... They undersold it. It's one of the most fun movies I feel like I've seen in a long time. I think that's the best description, is fun. Yeah. So, um, I can... Oh, I need to go to IMDb. I've just been sitting on Wikipedia like, I could read this. Um, I can just go to IMDb. They'll surely have a better one by now. Because this movie has now been out for a month. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. Um, it is now at a point where it is leaving theaters for its uh, likely initial theatrical run. You know, not every movie is Morbius, where we get multiple theatrical <laughs> runs. Uh, Storyline. All right. Let me see. Oh, this. yeah. I tweeted John earlier. Um, I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. And um, it was Shazam, because Shazam is now the lowest the earning. Lowest earning movie to ever hit 
theaters or superhero movie or whatever. Yeah. And I told John, I was like, man, Morbius can't even be the best at being the worst. Which is fair. I mean, I had, I at least had a tiny inkling of desire to see Morbius. I have never really had any want to see either Shazam movie. I, I will definitely not be watching the second one. That's for yeah. sure. No, I have, I absolutely. have no desire. Okay. Synopsis. Um, synopsis is somehow longer than the one on Wikipedia. So I will go with the summary. This is, looks to be about four sentences. Um, a former Harper named, it, it is Edgen, right? It's not Edgen. Edgen, yeah. It's been a minute since I've seen the movie. Um, a former Harper named Edgen Darvis and his accomplice Holga Kilgore are imprisoned for two years. Upon their escape, they discover that their former ally, Forge Fitzwilliam, has become the Lord of Neverwinter. In an effort to clear their names and revive Edgen's wife, they plan to steal a valuable artifact from Forge's vault. They recruit the help of Simon Almar and Doric, and together they embark on a perilous journey to retrieve a powerful relic. However, they soon discover that they are being pursued by dangerous enemies, including a red wizard named Sophina, who will stop at nothing to stop them. That person really needs to work on their word choice. That was rough. <laughs> it's IMDB. What do you expect? I know. They don't expect, like, communication-focused people like me to be like, I don't know, your word choice was poor, your sentence structure was common. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not the average IMDB reader. I think that is a safe assumption. Yes. So, um, initially my, um, I got super excited for this movie as soon as they like, they started on a map and they zoomed out to kind of establish the world that they were using. And that is when I got super excited about this movie because they zoomed out and they were, this movie is set in the Forgotten Realms map inside of Dungeons and Dragons. And my all time favorite book series takes place in the Forgotten Realms world. So right away, I'm going into this movie with an, an understanding of like the world building has already been done for me. Like I understand the dynamics of like they reference these cities and they're they're in these parts of the world. And I'm like, I completely understand all of this already. It was great. They're using an established world for this movie. And that's a very bold choice. And they pulled it off. There you go. What's the book series? The Legend of Drizzt. I've heard of that. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> I sent a picture of it to a friend of mine, and there's like, the same author has been writing the same book series for like 30 or 40 years at this point, and there's genuinely oh like, there's like 40 books in this series. Oh, wow. It All is focused ambitious. on the same character? <sighs> Probably about 25 to 30 of them are all on the same character, yeah. Wow. And then there have been some, like, splinters every now and then. Um, I guess, again, more like fan service, like, hey, you know, could we get more about this character, or could, you know, these people interact more? But by and large, yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a mainline plot of the same people wow. for about 30 books. That's impressive. Yeah. Huh. That's a lot of dedication right there. Yes. <laughs> well, um... So my initial thoughts about this movie, um, I don't have many, uh, it honestly, I don't have a lot of flaws about this movie. Like there, there wasn't much about this movie that I didn't enjoy, but the best way I can describe this movie is exactly what John said at the beginning, which was fun. Like this mm -hmm. was a movie that like, after it was done, it was like, that was enjoyable. That was fun. Yeah. And I'm, I would be willing to see another one. I, so we went to go see it with our, our normal like Tuesday movie night, uh, little group, which is a polite way to say, like we went to go see it with another couple and, um, the credits had barely started. And I want to say it was the wife of the, it was either the wife of the other couple or another friend of ours from church said like that movie was just over. And I already like, I would see that again. In, like almost immediately. So I'm not a hundred percent sure who said that, but like it was, I'll see it again. Or like that might be my new comfort movie. Like, you know how we, we all have like comfort yeah, movies or TV yeah. shows. Uh -huh. Someone was like immediately. I think that I could see that being for me. Okay. And that is, that is among the highest praise. I feel like you can have for, for something like this. Yeah, for sure. Um, if I were to have one complaint, it is that the, uh, the thirst trap that is uh Regé Jean page was only in this movie for like 20 minutes. Mm. Um, he's on the Wikipedia page. He's the third listed cast member and he is like not blinking. You miss him, but he is not in the movie as long as I expected him to be. And his character yeah. was like pretentious in the most enjoyable way. He's like lawful good to the extreme, mm -hmm. which I guess that is a way to talk about these characters because that's the whole character building dynamic of Dungeons and Dungeons Dragons. And Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I appreciate about this movie is, is they, they knew their audience and they, they, they leaned in so they, hard, so hard. <laughs> like we, we and had, so, was it, it was two gelatinous cube sightings, right? Uh huh. Man, more movies could do with gelatinous cubes. Yeah. So it was, 
it was a movie they knew their audience. In fact, I, I had talked to John earlier about this movie and and when this movie was coming out there were some things that the producers and and, and writers and directors and, and all them they were talking about some of the characters of this movie and they were making it sound like it just wasn't going to be enjoyable like the way they were talking about it it was like oh well why would i want to see that like that's not going to be something i'm going to be interested in yeah but the things that they were saying they didn't even do so i don't yeah. even know why they said it it was very confusing it was very weird borderline uh, self-sabotaging yeah and and that's what so that's totally what i was expecting that's part of the reason why i was so nervous to see it because i was like oh gosh this is just gonna be you know a a dumpster fire i don't want to watch this and none of those things happened that they said was going to happen um and all the characters were enjoyable i've also said that if they do make another one they totally need to like not even continue with the same characters but almost do another movie and each movie is its own standalone so Mm -hmm. almost like a new campaign every time and john has suggested to do like what they did with uh, gi joe where they kill off the entire first cast like in the first like five minutes of the movie (laughs) because so you know this is a different movie yeah i've i've never done tabletop gaming which surprises a lot of people when i say that and i don't know if that's an insult or not um but i feel like that's like a hard reset for a game like that is like we had our we had our campaign it was great we need to do a new one start from the beginning you can't use any of those characters ever again they are all deceased yeah it's just, it is a, a hard new, reset yeah completely new characters top to bottom yeah i would be okay with that it would make for an exciting series because then each one is going to have its own unique flavor to it i've had a i've had a very fun uh revamp of that idea jay it is um instead of doing that at the beginning of movies and you just full wipe the entire party as a character dies during the during the campaign during the movie that same actor respawns as a completely different character (laughs) still in the party it's the same cast but like different character (laughs) Like if like uh like Regé Jean Page is the the lawful good paladin and it's like oh well you know he he bit the dust now he's a uh, some type of like rogue and it's like we have to wait what is the disconnect on him being here but not there and like you just really lean into the into the character building of the world I would I would appreciate that yeah that would be that would be very entertaining I feel like yeah but uh, they didn't ask us so man if they would though. We have so many great ideas. I have so many. I- we could be thousand heirs. We could. <laughs> we could. I, I don't even want money for it. I just want. I just want credit. <laughs> like, I think. I think that's fair. Yeah. Like I want credit, and I want to meet Chris Pine. That's really about where, about where that starts and finishes for me. So, let's let's give it a rating real quick, and then I've got a um, small little thing to share that kind of relates to what we were just talking about. Okay. Unless there was anything uh, else you needed to say. No, I think that about I think that about settles it. It's not there are some there are some bits of this movie that are from a plot perspective are somewhat formulaic. Um there are some that I guess do kind of take you by surprise. There's a bit where Bradley Cooper plays a, a very small person and it really comes out of nowhere. Um but it the plot is simple but it holds up. Yeah, it's um so this is the second movie now in a row that we have reviewed that we both can look at and have said they knew who was going to be coming to see this movie Mm -hmm. and they tailored this movie specifically for them. Yeah. And all I want to say is more movies need to be doing that. Absolutely. And then we end up with less movies that are a live action prequel to the lion King. You got it. Cause hopefully uh, no, well, no one's going to go to see that. That's going to be a Disney plus release, but like, come on, what are we doing? Yeah. On a, on a pure critical scale, um, this movie is like a, like a seven, five, like an eight, it's like six, six, seven. It's somewhere in that it is mid range, but from an enjoyment perspective, from a, how much I liked this movie, it's absolutely a 10. That's like, like people, a lot of the people that I know love the princess bride. It is a movie that is much beloved for people my age and it's not a good movie. Yeah. Like I don't want, I don't want people to think that I'm taking shots at the princess bride. I kind of am, but I love like it's such a great movie. It's a comfort movie. It's a predictable. You can turn that on, leave it on, and then wherever you turn back to it, you are immediately there. And 
Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves has that potential. So on a on an enjoyment scale, it is it is a 10 to me. And that's more what I want to watch a movie for is to yeah. have fun. Yeah. Yeah, for um I give it an all around 8, I think. Um the way I felt about this movie was similar to the way that I felt about Solo. Um It's not good, Solo but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but it was fun and I yeah. enjoyed it. You know, will I watch it again? Probably not. Um maybe, but it was uh it was fun and I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, I give it an 8 all around. But, um, yeah, so what I was going to uh, say was, um, so we have a grocery store around here called Kroger Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a very well-known store in this area anyway. And uh, where I used to live, um, the town was growing very quickly. Uh, There was a lot of housing developments, um, new schools being built. It was growing very rapidly. However, the Kroger in this town uh, where I grew up was very small. It was the same Kroger that they had had (laughs) since it was built in like the 90s uh, and hadn't changed. And so I tweeted to the Kroger page. This was years ago. I tweeted to them and said, hey, and and told them what was up and uh, very politely. And they actually tweeted back and they said, we are uh, we're putting we're sending this to our real estate team and we'll let you know. Well, two years later, they expanded that Kroger and made it bigger. Jay is now part owner of a Kroger franchise. I'm not saying it's because of me. (laughs) However, that happened. You're not so saying it's live, not because of you. So where I live now is starting to do kind of the same thing to the point that the county that I live in only has two grocery stores. Gross. And we are starting to grow very rapidly. And so I did the same thing. And they said, um, they did the same thing. They tweeted back and they said, we are forwarding this to our real estate team. And then they said, we recommend that you contact our real estate team. And then gave me the contact information. Kroger slid into this man's DMs. So I <laughs> I awesome. email the real estate guy and you know told him what was what was going on and then at the bottom of the email I said PS I did this exact same thing in this other town and 2 years later they expanded that Kroger and it's now twice the size that it used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it's because of what I did but obviously I have really good ideas. <laughs> that's great oh my gosh dude so i'm not saying it was my idea but i'm alluding to it (laughs) so will they do it maybe maybe not we'll see i hope so for your sake i know and then if they do i'm gonna be able to say the same thing i'm gonna be able to say listen guys this kroger is here because of me Mm -hmm. you're welcome (laughs) i'm not wanting money I'm just wanting credit. If you could make it into my Kroger account that I have a permanent 10 per- or ten cent off my gas. Yes, I will take it. That I, would, would, I would take that. That would be worth it. Oh, it would be so worth it, dude. I would just make up cities around the country that they needed to put stores. <laughs> right. Just like a uh, uh, no-name Michigan city is really on the rise. Uh, you need to get your real estate team looking into no-name Michigan. Yeah. And it was like, that's not a real place. Uh, correct. Correct, it is not. So real quick before we um, sign off, what we're going to be reviewing next is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. John, I'm so, I'm so scared. What are your thoughts about Guardians of the Galaxy? What do you think is going to happen? Real quick preview. I what you, think. What do you feel is going to happen? The tone of every trailer, every media spot, every teaser that has come out for this movie is ludicrously different than the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two and of Thor: Love and Thunder. And one of my biggest complaints um, of both of those movies is they tried to do too much of what worked well in the preceding movie. Hmm. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 looks incredibly serious, and we're going into it knowing it's the last one, that this this is the last go around for the team in this makeup. Yes. And not all of these characters will survive. No. And it is in that context where I will say, if they dive into Rocket's backstory and how genuinely tragic and appalling Rocket's backstory is, and then they kill him, I'm going to cry. Like, I'm emotionally preparing myself for them to kill Rocket, and I don't like it. See, I really don't think that they're going to kill Rocket. Uh, For some reason, I think that his character is safe. I hope so. Um, But I do think that I do think that Drax is done. Um, And honestly, I think Peter's done, too. I 
I had someone, again, I mean, recently this week, uh, express their desire for Peter Quill to stay alive for one very specific purpose, and it's a purpose that I would not have thought of. It's because within the past decade in Marvel Comics, do you want to know who Peter Quill's love interest has been? Kitty Pride. Oh. One of the X-Men. Right. So if that is a bridge they at all want to cross in the vague future whenever the X-Men join the MCU, then they kind of need to not kill him. They don't need to, you know, have him be a, a centerpiece of the phase. Like, they don't need to build the phase off of him, but they need to keep him alive so they could use him later. Huh. So... I don't know that I want that to happen because I don't know what the timetable is for them to bring mutants in. Right. But it is something to keep aware of. I think hmm. only one of Gamora or Nebula survives, and I don't know who I want it to be. Yeah, I'm kind of, Nebula's kind of grown on me. Right. So it's probably going to be her. <laughs> or Nebula is growing on everybody. It'll probably be Gamora because it would be, be all that. It'll be that much more tragic. Regardless, we're sitting here talking about it, and there's a high likelihood none of the things we're talking about are going to happen. That's true. That That's just the nature of, of fandom to some degree. Yeah. So um, hopefully everybody comes back uh, in our next episode and they can hear how incredibly uh, right and or wrong that we were about this movie. Yes. <laughs> Or both. Oh, that's true, yeah. It's definitely, that's on the table. It could be all the things that we've said, but oh, not in the way that we thought. That would be somehow more upsetting. Yeah. Like, if we were somehow 100% right, but it but it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So come back in two weeks, um, and uh, you'll get to hear that. Um, and uh, I believe, hold on, I'm checking my calendar real quick, because to yeah uh we've got an extra monday in may mm -hmm. so um that'll be cool but uh but yeah all right well in that case we'll see you in two weeks but until then nerd out